You are now listening to the Hot Take Podcast, brought to you by Full Time Fantasy. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daly. Time to make it hot. Welcome to the show. This is the Hot Take Podcast, and we have a great episode for you today, folks. I'm pretty excited to get into the free agent quarterbacks, and we're going to get into some of the uh, dynasty stashes as well. We want to talk about some stashes at the running back position um, that you know you might think, okay, maybe he's a dump. I'm not sure if I should hold him at this point. We're going to get into all of that, talk some fantasy football what is going on? I am Steven Taroni, joined by my co-host, Josh Daly. What is going on, buddy? What's going on, my fantasy brother? Just, uh, you know, getting excited. We just had the combine. So, I mean, we got some, uh, some, some guys, t- you know, trending upward. Got oh, some man. Guys stock took a hit. So excited to get into that. Talk some free agent QBs and just ready to dive in, man. The, for me, the RB1 and the wide receiver one are pretty lockdown like I don't see an alternative in my mind and maybe that can be argued but for me it's 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 JT it's Jonathan Taylor and it's it's CD Lamb point are you looking at that any other way right now I mean I tend to agree with you I you know before the combine I I wouldn't have thought that Taylor was the number one but after putting up some of the ridiculous uh numbers that he did you know especially with his 40 uh, with him and Saquon being like the only 225 plus guys to to run a 4-4-4-4-1. Right. Um, you know, pretty pretty impressive there. Um, you know, not saying he's the next Saquon, but comparisons have been made, folks. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about some of these um, guys that have taken a big hits and that have come up from the Combine. We got to take that combine with a grain of salt, right, Josh? I mean, that's how I look at it, too. You really have to, you know, think about it from just a holistic perspective as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing with the combine is, I mean, these are, these are, it is, it is what it is. It's just athletic testing. And, you know, granted, there's some one on one interviews, which I think that's the main part of the combine is that these coaches who never, had a chance to get in front of these kids. And, um, and, you know, we have to remember like, that's, that's kind of what these, they still are. They're still, you know, young kids, um, young adults here and you know, getting in front of them, getting a chance to know them. Uh, of course, some get a sneak peek at the senior bowl, like uh, my lions, unfortunately, when you're not coaching in the playoffs, uh, you know, you get to do things like that. So, <laughs> it's, uh, but it's, uh, it, it is, it's just, you know, it's just athletic testing. It doesn't take into consideration, um, you know, like someone's adrenaline or, you know, their anticipation or their confidence or anything like that. And, you know, I think it was Nick Whalen who said, um, you know, a couple of years ago that, you know, you, you can't measure all of these things that have to happen in a split second decision on the football field. And the combine will never be able to do that. It's, it's, you know, what's inside that player. And, um, you know, Nick used to coach uh, at the collegiate level and, you know, he mentioned that, uh, in most recently, uh, just, uh, I think like a month or so ago, he mentioned that, uh, you know, he had a guy when he was coaching at division one level and there was a receiver that he had, there was like a fifth year senior and he wanted someone to make him like one of those wristbands with all the plays and like what he's supposed to do. And he said, you know, that's something that you're never going to know if you're just drafting a guy because he runs a four, three, three, you know? So it's, right. Um, this, that's the kind of stuff that you can't really judge, like what's between the years. So it's, it's exciting, man, to get some of these results in. But at the same time, huge, huge grain of salt. 100%. And I think, you know, we're going to get into some of those guys that, you know, maybe the combine doesn't measure what they really have inside. I mean, you look at somebody like a Frank Gore, right, who just you can't measure what this man can do to his body, condition his body and his mind in order to take the beating he has over the years and be relevant in the NFL. But that kind of leads me into, well, talking about Frank Gore and the Miami situation. You know, we said last week actually on the hot take that Frank Gore could make a, uh, a, a retirement tour back to Miami. He went one year, he could be back. But if he's not, one of my dynasty stashes, and even if he comes back for that last year, we don't know how long he's going to play 
Miles Gaskin is somebody who I liked coming out of last year. Now he dropped in the draft. He was a seventh round pick. And that has big weight on what you should consider when you're looking at a player. Like if you're huge on a player and they don't get drafted or it's this, they get drafted in the seventh round, you kind of have to alter how you look at that player. If he gets another shot, that's one thing. You know, he gets on a team where you can see a path. And that's kind of what I see right now is a path to the starting role for Miles Gaskin. I mean, we look at this Miami roster right now, Josh. Kalen Balaj didn't do anything for himself for Miami to think that he's a starting running back. Right. I mean, you know, if you're high on Gaskin and that's, you know, that's, that makes two of us because I'll be honest with you, man, we got, uh, we were going to cover this last week and you had just kind of beat me to the show sheet. Cause this is, this is a guy I'm high on too, man. Number one pick as well. And you know, the, and you just mentioned the, the depth chart, like even going into preseason last year, I mean, they had, uh, who was it? Mark Walton, who's just like a, like a domestic violence hound and you know, right. probably never going to be back in the NFL again. And then, yeah, that was a sad, that was a sad story. Cause I, I felt like he, you know, had a, a little bit of wiggle, but yeah. And it's, you know, it is, it is unfortunate, but at the same time, it's like, it was just him and Balage, and, you know, you had, uh, you know, Drake getting traded and then Balage. we basically got to see him. And if you're someone like us that plays dynasty, um, you kind of wanted to see Gaskin be subdued for a little while because the cat's not quite out of the bag yet. You know what I mean? That's right. he's still kind of a secret, and that's why I think he makes a good dynasty stash. And uh, I think he's a great choice, man. I mean, those of us who played preseason DFS, some of us degenerates, um, you know, we we remember Miles Gaskin. He made he made Daddy some money last year, so yeah. <laughs> we're, we're happy with him. So exactly, and like, there's a lot of you know, you can look into the preseason sometimes and get some of these players and really understand that you know these guys have talent like you look at like playerprofiler.com and i use this as a resource often i i have you know early, in my early days with fan tracks um because you know it, it's a resource that you can use just to get a quick like okay what do they do at the combine what you know what are they looking at like compared to you know their their college dominator all that stuff and they always have, you know, the best comparable, right? So the best comparable for Miles Gaskin, according to playerprofile.com, is Ronald Jones. I disagree with that. I really disagree that he is Ronald Jones. If you look at Miles Gaskin, what he is, first of all, he's two inches shorter than Ronald Jones. So he is more of a scat back, right? Ronald Jones is just, you know, he's going linear. He's a linear runner. I think that Gaskin has, is a lot more um, athletic. And I really think that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And that's huge um, when you're talking about fantasy football, because especially with a team like the Dolphins, who you have to assume, like, what if Fitzpatrick is back? If Fitzpatrick gives you a year and that Miles Gaskin can play eight games, oh, you're loving having Miles Gaskin on your dynasty team. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, with those guys being down um, for a negative game script most of the time, I would imagine this is this rebuild's probably going to take a while. So it's um, you know it's nice to have a guy like that in your backfield that can catch the rock. So let's talk about your guys. Now I see you added another guy in here. So let's talk about the first one. Yeah. So th- this is what happens when uh, when you beat me to the show sheet, man. I just <laughs> you know Miles Gaskins like definitely when you when you said dynasty stash, I mean he's the first guy that popped into mind, but. You know, I had to think about these, um, and honestly, I didn't know who I wanted to talk about more uh, or less, I should say, but <laughs> it's kind of like the same situation for both guys, but um, in Minnesota, you know, Mike Boone, I know there's a ton of guys that uh, that are out there that like Mike Boone, and it's not necessarily that I'm like super high on Boone, uh, but I do think he makes a good stash just because of the two guys in front of him. Um, I like Alexander Madison as well. Um, one of my favorite running backs, uh, you know, in the class coming out last year from Boise state, but at the same time, you know, he went down as soon as it was his turn, you know, he got his shot and, uh, you know, he was injured as well. And Dalvin cook is just not a guy that I think that you can rely on to carry any sort of significant workload. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're going to, you know, any of these injury websites, inside injuries, whatever you rely on, I mean, whoever your trusted source is for injury information, I mean, 
Dalvin Cook is just so highly rated, or I should say lowly rated, for you know his propensity to get injured again uh, and his probability to get injured again. Um, I mean, just such a long track record of, of injuries with Cook. And I mean, if, it, if this is the case and he go down, uh, you know, early in the season, like he did say in 2018 and it's just Madison and Boone, well then it's a two man show and you never know when one of those guys could, you know, they, we always hear coaches, you know, they're going to give it to the guy that rides the hot hand you know, the yep. Niners, the Niners rode that all the way to the Super Bowl. Last year. Exactly. So you yeah. never know, man. It, it, he just, I feel like he has a lot of potential for the cost that you can get him right now. You know, if you're not a Mike Boone owner, he's going to yeah. be super cheap to acquire. <laughs> but yeah. And then the other guy that, uh, that I was thinking of is kind of a guy whose stock will increase here. I mean, as, as you and I record this, of course, you know, we're just coming off of the combine, you know, the draft is still what, six weeks, five, six weeks away. And it's pretty imminent. sounds like from, you know, multiple directions that Devonte Freeman is is going to get the uh, the axe here soon in Atlanta. Yeah, and he's I mean, gone. It seems like man, like it seems like a done deal. Yeah, I mean, with, when you look at that contract and just kind of the production, and you know, the same the same thing with Freeman as Cook. You know, they just they just can't stay healthy. Um, you know, Freeman really kind of early on in his career reminded me of Frank Gore. Those those guys are just kind of like football robots that just you know they just seem to always be able to, to dart into that hole at the right time. And, you know, I personally love Devontae Freeman, but, you know, the writing is on the wall, man. So it definitely sounds like he is out. And, I mean, there's not much standing between Brian Hill and a starting role, uh, but I do expect the Falcons to draft someone here yes. out of this 2020 class. So, I mean, for the time being, um, you could hang on to Brian Hill, but I think that that, that window for him to have some value is probably going to be small and it's probably going to shut pretty quick. Yeah, so Kadri Olison, who, who's more of, you know, the goal line guy. Um, Ido Smith, who, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sold on. I think that a lot of people have looked at Ido Smith to be, you know, the kind of guy, and I think of everyone, if Ido Smith is back, now I'm not sure of his uh, situation right now, but if Ido Smith is back next year, I would say he's the favorite. If it was Brian Hill... And Ido Smith gets a chance. I think Ido would win that job. Kenyon Barner, who's always been a special teams guy. From what I've seen from like Brian Hill is, you know, he he had a good game. Then he had, he had kind of a chance in the featured role once they put uh, Ido Smith on IR. And, um, you know, he really, he really didn't produce that well. Uh, I think he kind of let some people down, to be totally honest with you. I know a lot of people kind of emptied their their fab clips on uh, Brian Hill last year, trying to get, you know, a couple, couple weeks of lightning in a bottle, but you know, it's going to be interesting because I just think that no matter how you feel about this backfield at the time being, it's probably not going to matter here in a few weeks. Cause I do think they are going to invest some draft capital and, and in, uh, in one of these upper tier backs here coming out. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um, I think whoever they draft is someone you really have to look at. And, you know, if they use a third-round pick on a running back, that's somebody you have to look at as, okay, this is probably the guy that they're trying to build around, you know. And if they can go into an offseason with that being the mindset, then he really has to be someone on everyone's radar because he would win the starting job right away. I, I think that Brian Hill, yeah, like you said, he disappointed last year. and the jury isn't out completely on Brian Hill. I think that, you know, he is an athletic player. He's a good player, but you know, if he can't thrive in this Atlanta offense, then that's questionable, right? You have to look at that and be right. like, yeah. Cause you got to be able to produce in that kind of offense. And we've seen like, you know, players like Tevin Coleman have problems in that offense too. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think that that's a great situation to monitor. So big news coming out of Los Angeles. Austin Eckler uh, signed a four-year, $24 million, $24.5 million contract today. And, you know, this is off of what looks to be Melvin Gordon's final days. This could be the final offseason of Melvin Gordon with the Chargers. Just don't know at this point. But it looks like the writing kind of on the wall here um, for Austin Eckler. He could be the starting running back going into 2020, which is very exciting. 
Um, if you're an Austin Eckler dynasty owner, it hasn't been decided yet, but a lot of changes are going to be going on in LA. And we were talking off air, Josh, getting into these quarterbacks now. I mean, Tom Brady is somebody who is being mentioned for every team, like we talked about. But the one thing that makes me think that Brady could come to LA is the new stadium, the new stadium in Englewood, the city of champions. I really think that that could, that's what the chargers are going to want to do so desperately is to bring in somebody like Brady to bring in the fans they have a 24-year-old athletic monster in Austin Eckler. And this guy can do it all. And we've seen it, like you said off air, he was a top five running back last season. And, of course, that was mainly without Melvin Gordon. But that's great. We saw him without Melvin Gordon. And so if you can't get it through your head at this point, Austin Eckler can be an RB1. Now let's talk about this Charger situation, Josh. Philip Rivers is out the door. Let's start there with Philip Rivers, and then let's talk more about the Chargers situation, kind of with Eckler being, you know, around that, talking about what that could mean for him potentially. But let's talk about Philip Rivers. What do you think makes sense for him right now? Yeah, that's a great question. We know he's gone. Um, you know, he sold his home uh, in California. I mean, that's pretty much as done as a deal can get. Right. And you know, the, the each side has basically made, uh, you know, parting comments. So, I mean, he's, he's out. We know this, you know, everybody, including Melvin Gordon, who you just mentioned, uh, everybody seems to think that the most perfect fit for Phillip rivers would be the Colts. And I can definitely understand that. And I see why they would say that because that is a win now team. They have a fantastic offensive line, in my opinion, the best offensive line in football. And really, that's the one thing I feel like Phillip Rivers has always lacked. I mean, the Chargers have always had like a minimum of three guys on the IR by like week four along the offensive line, it seems like, ever since he's been drafted. So um, I'm sure that would appeal to him personally. But at the same time, I definitely could see – you know, Bruce Arians taking a shot on Philip Rivers, kind of like, uh, you know, the Carson Palmer, uh, you know, yeah. the second life of uh, Carson Palmer in the desert. So no, I, I got to tell you, I would be super disappointed if he was the starting quarterback for the Buccaneers. I, um, I would love to see a resurgence for Philip Rivers uh, in Tampa, but I would hate to be, you know, wanting a, a Chris Godwin touchdown and just having to rely on Philip Rivers in what we saw last year. That would be a painful show. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. But it's it's enticing for two different reasons. You know, the Colts, they don't quite have as many weapons. And I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, like last week, we talked about how perfect an OJ Howard for David Johnson trade would be. Um, you know, personally, if they make that trade, and you know, like, I'm on the, I'm on the side, like, why hasn't that deal been made yet? But I, you know, I get it. Things have to happen in their own due time. But if you do give rivers a pass catching running back like that, I mean, that's why Eckler excelled so much. Rivers is not afraid to throw it to the running back. Even before the days of Eckler, you know, Danny, he made Danny Woodhead a thing. And, you know, it's just something where rivers is going to shot, put it to whoever's open. And a lot of times he'll dump it off down low. So that's, that's very appealing to me for that reason. Whereas, you know, if he did go to Indy, I could definitely understand the appeal with the offensive line. It's just that I'm not a huge fan of some of those weapons around him. Um, you know, no matter what you think about, you know, Eric Ebron, but you know, we know T Y Hilton's talented and um, you know, Jack Doyle's very reliable as well, but um, it's just, it's two different places, two different reasons. But I, I mean, honestly, I understand the Colts talk, um, but I think they probably are the front runner at this point, and I think the Bucks would probably be like a close second. I'm trying to envision Philip Rivers, you know, and I think that the best point here for Philip Rivers and the Colts is the offensive line. It's a great line, and what are, is Rivers going to do? They're going to play it safe with him. They're not going to make him try to kill you with the pass. So for all-around fantasy, I, I think it's okay. Like, I think it works for uh, Marlon Mack a lot. I think Naheem Hines is very interesting if Phillip Rivers is the Colts quarterback. 
somebody that we've been wanting to break out a little bit more. I think Hines has more of a role as we saw for, you know, a couple of years here with Philip Rivers and uh, Austin Eckler. Really, I mean, you could go back to LT and then looking at Melvin Gordon, what he's done with him peppering targets. I mean, these are pretty good running backs we're talking about here. So, but still, I really like that kind of uh, role for him. Yeah, I think that's probably the best place. And if he goes to Tampa, I'm just going to be super disappointed. You're just going <laughs> to find me like with my hand over my face. Just give me that face palm gif, whatever you want. Just type in that, and that's me if that yeah, happens. I'll, cue, I'll have the uh, Captain John Luke Picard uh, queued up ready. Yeah, to I mean, really, and, you know, it, before we go into Jameis Winston and Tampa Bay, I do think that Tyrod Taylor in Los Angeles makes a lot of sense. He's already there. He's about to make, well, $5 million in 2020. I really think that, you know, he's getting paid as if, okay, like they value him that that much. They're going to let him compete for a job unless they bring in Brady and it's a done deal. Um, but then it's Tyrod Taylor. So let's talk about that real quick for the Chargers. I mean, I like that offense with Tyrod Taylor back there. I mean, they have the talent there with Keenan Allen. Throw it up to Mike Williams. And all of a sudden, Austin Eckler, I think, is in a fine situation. And I think there are a lot of naysayers out there that are, you know, saying that that couldn't work. Uh, For Eckler, providing him with RB1 numbers, Tyrod Taylor's running back was LaShawn McCoy for a couple years. Tyrod peppered LaShawn McCoy in 2017 with 77 targets. And before that, he had two-plus seasons of 50 targets. I'm okay with – even if we give Austin Eckler 77 targets, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Right, yeah. A far cry from the, uh, you know, 108 that he saw last year. But still, he's probably going to see with Melvin Gordon out of there. I mean, that's the reason Gordon came back is – you know, Eckler was like the fantasy running back one, like him and CMC. Uh, and Eckler reminds me of like a CMC light. So that's, you know, that's why Gordon came back was he just saw how good Eckler was doing. He's like, well, I better get back to work because I'm not yeah. going to have a job if I don't. <laughs> but yeah, real, real quick, not to, not to throw us off track, but um, the one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about Rivers uh, the former Chargers quarterback was that if Cam Newton was already out of Carolina, I would say the Panthers would be my number one for Rivers because he's from North Carolina and he's got like 43 kids. So it's like you'd probably yeah. just want to move your family like closer to the uh, the grandparents and whatnot. So that's that would be my number one if Cam, if Cam was uh, was actually out at this time. But he is still a Panther. Um, Tyrod Taylor, though, you know, going back, kind of circling back to the current Chargers quarterback. Yeah, he's been productive, man. I don't understand where some of this this hate comes from on Tyrod. You know, he's he's been a valid fantasy producer when he's been given the opportunity. I mean, you can't really fault him for his Cleveland tenure because, well, Hugh Jackson was calling the shots, you know, so that's kind of a recipe to, for disaster for any right. under a Hugh Jackson regime. Um, you know, we, you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of, you know, fallen quarterbacks, it's, it's, it's nothing that, you know, Tyrod Taylor has ever done to tarnish his reputation. It just, he has like this negative stigma, um, you know, amongst a lot of the fantasy community and me personally, I, I just, I honestly, I don't get it, man, but I think he could absolutely make all Austin Eckler, you know, fan, fantasy top 10 running back. I mean, Eckler was, you know, top four, top five based on your league settings. So it's while we, while to expect a, a downtick in targets uh, is completely reasonable, but at the same time, if Melvin Gordon's out of town and you're just handing this guy a fresh contract, well, it's pretty safe to say that he's going to get more than 132 carries too. So, I mean, the touches are going to be there no matter what, man. So some of this talk about, you know, not being able to support a pass catching running back. I just don't get it, man. Yeah, I I agree with you completely. I I think that I want to see that scenario play out where Tyrod is the quarterback one going into the chargers first year with the new stadium, the new champions uh, city of champions stadium should be uh, ready by 2020 pretty sure at this point um otherwise they're a little bit behind on that but i mean you know that's why i think that brady makes a lot of sense going there too because they're gonna they're gonna want to bring in people i mean they 
want to bring in the stadium alone is going to bring in a lot of people. The LA fan base, as far as football, you know, it's hit or miss, you know, depending, you know, you get, you get a generation of football in, in, in LA and then it's gone, you know, and then it's gone for, for another decade. So I think they want to keep football there. They spent a lot of money <laughs> on this new stadium. And Brady being there on the Chargers, what does that look like to you? I think that the one guy – now, look, Eckler and Brady, you're loving that. You're loving that all around. Uh, it, there's no really downside to that. You need to rely on the run for Brady at this point in his career, and then he's going to dump it off. And if Eckler is the sole – Running back, you love it. If it's if it's Gordon and Eckler somehow, you think you're still okay with that. You know, we've seen Brady and the Patriots uh, use two running backs. I think that if Brady were a Charger, you would probably see them doing something similar, trying to have him more of a game manager type role. Which is why I think Keenan Allen again would be an awesome fantasy wide receiver, where. Look, you've been disappointed, and we just look at the play of Philip Rivers last year, and that makeup of the team in general um, for the Chargers. It just was pretty much a disaster for them for the majority of the season. Um, and then Keenan Allen, you're frustrated at times. Mike Williams, you're frustrated at times if you're these owners because you want to see the target share and you want to see good balls delivered to these receivers. Well, look, if they can make the system work for Brady. I think Keenan Allen is back on your radar as a wide receiver one potential. The fit, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, of course they did make that really weird trade with the Panthers, um, which I think they fleeced the Panthers. Um, but in a scenario where you have who I consider the best route runner in the NFL, that's the type of precision that Tom Brady has relied on. Um, he's never had like that downfield presence. I mean, Randy Moss, uh, the year that they almost won uh, every single game, uh, that was really that and the Brandon Cook season, right? The only times he's ever really had a dude that can just like stretch the field, unless you want to count like David Givens back in like, you know, was that 05 or something? Oh, wow. Good, like, good call out. Good call there. Reaching deep for that one, brother. But yeah, there's a, you know, I mean, he's never been like that guy that's going to just bomb it down the field. And I mean, that's why Cooks only lasted a year. You know, we saw that they had multiple times where they couldn't connect. And it's just, that's not Brady's game, man. Um, well, I love, I love the Patriots and them just being able to like, eh, no, nah, we don't want Brandon Cooks. Let's get discount Brandon Cooks. Let's get through <laughs> the Right, exactly. So it's, they know what they're doing, man. You know, just basically they, they rented cooks um, and all they did was just basically, uh, you know, change first round picks. So right. good on you guys. Um, but that's why they're so good at what they do. But the, you know, the aspect of having those guys down low, it's, it'd be interesting to see. I don't know if they could afford Hunter Henry uh, to bring him back if they did land a Brady, but you know, your point of, selling tickets in this new stadium, um, which looks amazing, by the way, uh, some of these renderings and, say, and things I'm seeing, but it's uh, absolutely dry. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's but ridiculous. They're going to have a pool surrounded by palm trees. I mean, there's going to be an outdoor pool right outside of the, the stadium, essentially. I mean, it's going to be hotels, casinos all around it. I mean, this is, this is going to be huge for the city of Los Angeles. I mean, you have the Rams who – the that's that's the show in town right now. I think they have obviously the juice still from the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's, this year was a letdown. So now the Chargers. You know, it's been such a letdown for this team. And then you put them in that tiny, you know, StubHub Stadium that held like thirty-five thousand people. Nobody was showing up to the games. I mean, it was a disaster. They need a resurgence. And Brady would Brady alone would do a lot for that franchise. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, you know, you're putting them in a soccer stadium here as the rental for a couple of years. Right. And like the reason nobody's coming to the games is because, um, you know, the parking situation and all that's just absolutely absurd over in that area from, from what I uh, have ascertained from a couple of friends that live over there and uh, subsequently went to go see the Chargers play their favorite team. And that's, that's how you get uh, a recipe for the Chargers playing 16 away games the last two seasons. <laughs> so it's, right. it's, uh, that's what happens. You know, you get, uh, you get that type of situation. But, you know, stadiums aside, I mean, you know, them moving Okung out and bringing in 
Trey Turner, they're almost going right. to have to use that first round pick or, you know, a second round pick on one of those awesome offensive tackles that this draft class is loaded with. So I think that would make it a little more appealing is, you know, if they were to promise him, you know, Hey, listen, we're going to use one of our first two picks on a, on a left tackle for you. Um, yep. so, so your final year doesn't have to, you know, be you leaving in a coffin, but it's, uh, right. that's just, that's the thing that's always been tricky with the chargers. You know, I was joking about it earlier, but they can't keep offensive linemen healthy. And that's gotta be scary if you're a free agent quarterback trying to sign with the Chargers. Brady, and that's a good point because Brady, we know that his conditioning is is known. I mean, TB12, I mean, the, the, the brand itself is all about how Tom Brady has conditioned his body over the years. And someone like that who, A, wants to get paid at this point in his career, because look, he sacrificed enough for as far as he's concerned. He could have asked for a lot bigger contracts and gotten them. Um, not saying that he wasn't paid well throughout his career, but I think we know what we're saying here. And he wants that last paycheck, you know? I mean, that's going to be a pretty significant, you know, <laughs> retirement bonus for Tom Brady. And that's what he's looking at right now. And speaking of bringing fans into the stadium, you mentioned it, Vegas. It's the first year in Vegas for the Raiders. And this is a team that's run first right now. John Gruden has established that. We know that what the Raiders want to do, they want to hit you in the mouth with Josh Jacobs. And that's what they're going to do. And putting Brady behind center there, um, I think would be arguably, I don't know about a better situation, but I think that protecting him wise, what the chart, what the chargers have set up going from last year, right? If we're looking at both teams from last year, what is set up right now? I think Brady might prefer this sort of style of offense. Um, if he isn't, if you can just take out Derek Carr and put in Brady and set up that play action as the Raiders like to do. And we've seen Carr be effective with that. I don't want to, you know, downgrade what Carr has done. He's nothing special at this point. We know that, but Brady being in that offense, I think can work. You know, the one downside is I think that they don't have a lot of receivers to work with, but when has Brady ever had a lot of receivers to work with? This is such a John Gruden and Mike Mayock move, isn't it? For Brady, for them to go out and get Brady and then Jettison Carr, who is only a few years removed from, you know, being an MVP candidate and getting right. a contract extension. But it's um, interesting, man. I mean, that's why this whole thing is is really interesting to me is because we don't know what Tom Brady is thinking. I mean, does he want to go somewhere new and, you know, have to get familiar with a whole new staff? I mean, part of that, I, I could see that being like his final challenge. And, you know, maybe that's why he wants to get paid handsomely is, you know, he knows how much work's going to go into this. It's, it's probably more work than he's ever had to put in before. And, you know, he's, he's not getting any younger. So it's, it's definitely appealing and interesting from that standpoint. And the style offense, like you mentioned, it's, it is right up his alley. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a smash mouth, give it to Jacobs and, you know, be a glorified game manager, but be able to make those smart decisions. So, you know, whether they go and draft, um, you know, like one of these Alabama receivers or somebody like that to give him, uh, you know, a solid target, um, you know, in addition to what he has there in place already. I mean, they just gave Waller an extension. Um, so they're set with him and Moreau at the tight end position. So it's, uh, you know, it'd be interesting, man. I think, I feel like if he did go to Vegas, uh, again, another nice new stadium, uh, but they could also run some two tight end packages that Brady could bring over, you know, that he remembers from the Gronk and Hernandez days. So it's, it's not something I see as a realistic possibility, but I do think Vegas is a more realistic possibility. It's just, it's just weird. Cause I'm not sure how those contract details are going to play out with car and, you know, having the dead money there, but uh, it, what, what's kind of, you're just like your general opinion on that whole situation for that landing spot. For Brady to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like what you're saying about the two tight ends. I think that that holds a lot of weight. Um, when we talk about uh, Foster Moreau being the second tight end there, who 
he's caught some touchdowns last year. He got some jump balls that looked really impressive in the, uh, the red zone. He, you know, took a lot from Waller where, you know, we might have wanted those Waller touchdowns. Um, Foster Moreau was getting them and he was a sneaky DFS uh, play on occasion, you know? Um, so I, I really like that from that standpoint. I'm trying to think of Tyrell Williams and, you know, I think he's about the same, um, you know, I think last year what you saw in Tyrell is he was catching a touchdown every game, which was very helpful for his fantasy production when he was playing. Uh, of course, he missed a lot of the season last year. So I, I think that he's about the same, Tyrell Williams. Yeah, I think they're going to add somebody at the, at the wide receiver. Yeah, I think that it's an okay turnout from a fantasy perspective. You know, I don't know who really benefits from this. I think everyone, you know, Josh Jacobs, he's probably about the same. You know, I don't know, like, how much more – I mean, obviously, if you think that Josh Jacobs has a lot of juice, and we, we know he does, um, then he's going to see progression next season. So that's going to happen with or without Tom Brady. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not that excited. I think I'm more excited from a fantasy perspective to get Tom Brady in L.A. unless he just stays with the Patriots, which, you know, let's be real. Most likely scenario. Let, let's talk about uh, Teddy Bridgewater and what I've seen a lot of Teddy Bridgewater. I think everyone at this point, all these quarterbacks on this list besides Dak Prescott has been rumored to be going to Tampa Bay, uh, including Marcus Mariota, who I've seen as that could be a possibility if Jameis Winston is in fact gone. So Teddy Bridgewater going to Tampa Bay would be interesting. I, I like Bridgewater in a lot of different situations. Um, I just, I really don't know where he fits at this point as a starter. Yeah. The only, the only place to me that would make any sense is if Brady didn't resign with new England. And to be honest with you, man, I, I once Josh McDaniels, uh, you know, didn't uh, get any of those head coaching jobs. I mean, I, I, I pretty much considered Brady a done deal to, to, to just come back to Foxborough. So, um, but if that doesn't happen, I think Teddy Bridgewater going to New England is a perfect fit. Definitely. So it's it's interesting because they kind of play the same style game like Brady at his point in his career. And then Bridgewater just being, you know, that that starting caliber game manager that's gonna kind of get things done. Um, I mean, he's he's right there on the on that cusp, man. You know, he's like a real fringe starter but he would be probably one of the best two or three backups in the league if he was a backup so it's i would love to see him back up ben roethlisberger for a season oh yeah see that would be tasty because there is absolutely nobody behind big ben that can lead an nfl offense right so it would be such a good fit i feel like for him to step into let's say if roethlisberger goes down again i mean then you have a veteran presence you know, you don't have to rely on <laughs> what they had to rely on last season, uh, that quarterback position. Um, I, I think that would be a great fit. Yeah. I mean, even the other Philadelphia, uh, in Philadelphia, I mean, um, yep. he could back up Wentz as well. I mean, you know, Wentz has had enough of an in- injury history uh, this far into his career now where I'm not going to say, I'm, not, I'm, I'm definitely not putting the injury prone label on him because I think that's extremely unfair, but um, but at the same time, I feel like the Eagles are smart enough to know that, I mean, look what happened when they had uh, invested in a backup quarterback. You know, they had Nick Foles win the Super Bowl. So it's, it's definitely interesting because somebody is going to pay up for Teddy Bridgewater, whether he is, you know, slotted in as a starter or a backup. Uh, it's it just it's he's right there on that cusp of like I said, man. He's kind of an in betweener, and it's tough to really when you don't know how teams are valuing him. It's tough to know really who is a good fit and where is a good landing spot for him. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Uh, one landing spot who I, I think is just a done deal is Dak Prescott. I mean, a lot of these free agents, not just quarterbacks, but in general, this free agency class you can just assume that a lot of them are coming back. Um, and I think Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott is one, one of those uh, cases. So I think that he's back. I think it makes a lot of sense. They're going to want to pay him. I mean, it's already coming out that uh, a deal is going to be put in place eventually here. The same thing we heard about uh, Dak Prescott with the deal pen- potentially in place is uh, Ryan Tannehill for the Titans. 
Now, Ryan Tannehill earned himself the starting role on this team. I think that it makes the most sense for the Titans to just keep Ryan that because they had a great end or second half to the season once they benched Marcus Mariota in what has to be one of the most disappointing starts to a career at this point when the ceiling was so high for Mariota. He had a great year in the same year that Derek Carr was an MVP candidate. Marcus Mariota was having a fantastic season. Both of those players were kind of viewed as great seasons that just got cut short with injury uh, in the last game of the year. I believe both of those players went down with an injury. They Both of those players, Marcus Mariota and Derek Carr, had such high ceilings. Now they're both really nowhere near that. And Ryan Tannehill is making the most of the opportunity. So I'm loving him in Tennessee. And let, let's talk a little bit about Marcus Mariota. And I think the only thing – well, not the only, there's many scenarios, but one scenario that makes sense to me is going to Chicago and challenging Mitch Trubisky. And I think that he kind of replicates the kind of player that Trubisky is, you know, they both can run obviously. Um, And you put Marcus Mariota with Matt Nagy. I think there could be something in play there. Uh, But I mean, it's clear for Chicago that, Mitch Trubisky is on his last leg here real quickly into his career. This is Trubisky's last chance. They already have talked about publicly that they would bring in a veteran quarterback to challenge. Oh yeah. That, that makes the most sense. And we talked about it a little bit on last week's episode of just how frustrated Matt and Aggie and company were on the sidelines there. And I mean, you can't help, but you know, see the, just the frustration on their faces and it's, it's definitely a good move. Um, you know, we mentioned Bridgewater. He could be that guy that they bring into. Um, you know, honestly, if you are kind of more inclined to, you know, give Trubisky another shot until he can fail, then I think that Mariota would be the guy that you bring in. Um, you know, if, if Nagy and company are sitting there saying, man, we have to do something because this obviously isn't working. Um, and you know that it's not going to work, then I think Bridgewater is the guy that you bring in there because you're only going to give that two or three games of, you know, Mitch Trubisky, you know, falling out his face. And, uh, you know, it's the joke that he can't throw to his left. Um, you know, so it's, that's, that would be a scenario where we just, we don't know how the coaching staff feels. I mean, we know how frustrated they've been on the, on the sidelines at times, but, um, it, it's really kind of like that internal temperature of, you know, do, are, are they really done with Trubisky? Because, you know, it makes sense to keep him there another year. Um, but at the same time, if they are ready to move on, I think they would have to sign somebody like a Bridgewater uh, over a Mariota because Mariota's kind of coming off of a, a you know, a failure as well. But um, just real quick, I mean, how crazy is it to see, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill get away from Adam Gase and just blow up. Kenyon Drake get away from Adam Gase and just blow up. And then right. Devontae Parker stay with no Adam Gase and just blow up. So yeah. <laughs> seeing a common theme here. Uh, oh, most definitely. Yeah. P- poor Adam Gase, uh, you know, just getting dogged by fantasy analysts <laughs> all over the place, man. But you know, yeah, Tannehill in Tennessee is awesome right now. You, you know, you have to expect some sort of regression off of the pace he was at last year, but he's got some weapons there, and A.J. Brown is his wide receiver one. I mean, we already know that, so we kind of – you got Derrick Henry, who they finally let the reins go, and Mike Vabril is coaching excellently. Um, I mean, really what the Titans have orchestrated is – Patriots, you know, Patriots light in Tennessee um, with Vrabel at the helm there. So you got to love what you're seeing out of Tennessee and all of that sort of fantasy production that's going to take place. Let's talk about this Tampa situation. I know that both of us want to talk about this. We've been kind of just like putting this off, but really, and you know, we talked about it in passing and I think that's appropriate. I mean, I feel like every off season, you know, for the past two or three years, Tampa for me is just like a hot topic as far as fantasy production. Like last year, I wanted a couple running backs to go there. I thought it would have been great. This year, we were talking last week about David Johnson, you know, what his potential is coming to 
coming to Tampa. Well, Jameis Winston could have played his last game as a Buccaneer. Best scenario for him, if he were to actually leave, were, would be to actually end up in Indianapolis, like we talked about for Phillip Rivers. And, yeah, it's a great situation for any quarterback. Um, if Teddy Bridgewater ends up on the Colts, it's a great situation for Teddy Bridgewater uh, because of that offensive line. But let's talk about fantasy because if Jameis ends up on the Colts, T.Y. Hilton's value spikes up. You know, I mean, Marlon Mack is going to do his thing just like he would, you know, it's a run first team. I think that, you know, if you're a Jameis owner, you can, if he ends up on somewhere like the Colts, I think his efficiency, you could finally see his efficiency increase because of the style of play. Jameis would be able to adapt. They still would be able to pass the ball. Bridgewater, or I'm sorry, not Bridgewater, um, Jacoby Brissett still was passing the ball a lot. And at one point last season, early in the year, was uh, led the league in touchdown passes. I mean, this guy was throwing at least two a week, talking about Jacoby Brissett for the first like six or seven games of the season. Jameis Winston would be fine in this situation. Yeah, these guys couldn't be more opposite either. Like, Brissett is that guy that always comes out hot. And, you know, the Colts always seem to, like, get out to a lead and then they kind of play conservative after that. Whereas Winston, it seems like they're always, you know, like he's digging himself out of his mistakes that he made earlier in the game. Right. Uh, so it's just weird because they couldn't be, you know, more opposite. But, but yeah, I mean, those some of those weapons uh, that he had in Tampa just, you know, absolutely loaded but no pass catching running back and it's just so weird that you know here we are uh Winston and Mariota number one and number two in the same draft class and you know here we are and nobody really knows what's going on we know that Mariota is out in Tennessee but in Tampa I mean it's the same thing from day one like we don't know what we're going to be getting i mean it's you know is he coming back to tampa i mean they're still undecided they've said as much we haven't even had any clues as to you know the direction that tampa's going and i mean you know for all intents and purposes i mean it's i think a lot of it's just going to come down to cap situation and money where uh, where some of these guys are going to land but it's it's definitely going to be interesting that's for sure i mean i would love to see winston go to the Colts because I think Frank Reich you know is slightly more conservative like Bruce Arians uh in contrast to his playing style where you know it's he's a little more aggressive a little more downfield uh I think that Frank Reich is a phenomenal play caller and I just I just love everything that the Colts have to offer and I I feel like having a just a stellar offensive line like the Colts do and that's really going to give Winston a lot more time to make some smarter decisions in the pocket. I don't think that's going to be an overnight thing. Obviously, uh, <laughs> what do you have five years here now of him, you know, still still with questionable decision making? But it, it'll be interesting, man. I would that would definitely spike Ty his value for sure. Um, you know, among some others. Yeah, I, I want Jameis to stay put because the Bruce Arians style which I thought the Bruce Arians could come in and kind of ground Jameis. I was wrong, and I, I'll be open about that because what Bruce Arians does is he wants to gun it downfield, and that just plays into what Jameis Winston wants to do. Uh, it's great for fantasy football. So we saw that. You know, It's frustrating, but it ends up being very, very good for fantasy football. And that's where you really want him to stay. Like you said, man, no pass catching running back for Jameis Winston and the Buccaneers. So he has to pepper his wide receivers with targets. So you like that from Mike Evans and Chris Godwin's standpoint always. I heard Teddy Bridgewater potentially going, you know, going to the Buccaneers. You know, you just hear all these rumors. Obviously, Bridgewater to the Buccaneers, it's a downgrade, in my opinion, for Evans and Godwin. That's no knock to Bridgewater. It's just he's not the gunslinging you know, kind of player that Jameis Winston is. Um, can he be that player? Yes. Is that the best way to win football games? Probably not. You know, Not the way that the Buccaneers are built. And I think with Bridgewater, you get a more conservative, you know, drive the ball downfield kind of guy, which... We know Jameis can do, but it's the turnovers, you know. The turnovers kill you, and that's what he does consistently. 
Um, that's why you love that from a fantasy perspective because he's just going to keep coming back with those points. Um, and you, you, you hate to see him go if you're a Jameis Winston owner in Dynasty right now. Um, I'll oh, say yeah. that. Oh, yeah, and I definitely am. But, you know, it's that's the thing, man. Is you know, I saw the bridge on it at Tampa. And, I, you know, to be honest, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, the Rivers to – I'd rather see Rivers to yeah. Tampa. to be honest with you i mean if we were going to rank him but you know hey man the more the more things change the more they stay the same so at the end of the day (laughs) wouldn't be surprised to see brady back in new england uh Tannehill and dak are most likely resigning i think those are pretty much locks and winston going back to tampa i mean really rivers and bridgewater i think are the uh, and Mariota, of course i think those are the uh the only guys that I think are really going to be changing teams when everything's said and done, but uh, it'll be interesting, man. There's still a little movement that could be had, you know, if Cam does leave Carolina and, you know, if the Bengals decide to move on from Andy Dalton. So it's, uh, you know, maybe that's a year away. I don't know, but it's, it's probably going to be a lot of the same of what we're used to. Well, definitely. And then, of, of course, Tua and Joe Burrow, they obviously have a lot to say with, you know, where some of these quarterbacks end up and what they end up doing for fantasy football. Uh, But let's get into some of these um, players that saw a, either a spike in the right direction as far as, you know, not only where they're going to go in fantasy drafts, but where they're going to go in the NFL draft, what these players have been gearing up for, for their entire lives. Um, So let's start with Zach Moss and I reference playerprofiler.com. If you have the pleasure, go over to playerprofiler.com, type in Zach Moss, and you're going to get a crying Jordan meme that you wouldn't believe. So, and it's all because of Zach Moss's combine. Moss was a guy out of Utah who right now we're thinking is going to be highly drafted. And when I say highly drafted, I'm thinking in the first four rounds, Zach Moss, before the combine, let's say, should have been drafted. I still think he has that value. He ran a four six five forty. It's that's just a disappointing number. Any way you cut it, we know that the combine doesn't mean any everything, and we also know that Zach Moss isn't that kind of player that's going to you know have that getaway speed. But when you're drafting a running back and you want him to be your franchise running back you really like to see the getaway speed from your running back. Zach Moss, I don't know if he has that right now, and a lot of NFL scouts have to question that too with the four six five forty. Yeah, and I mean, that's – let's be honest, man. I mean, that's the quickest way – no pun intended. I mean, that's the quickest way to tank your stock is these days is just running a slow 40. I mean, that's what a lot of the guys that I noted – I mean, that's – you know, except quarterbacks, of course. I mean, that's – that's where they take the biggest hit is, you know, in the speed measurements and, um, you know, and that's where the guys pop eyeballs out of people's heads is, Oh my gosh, this dude ran how fast. And it's, you know, so it was super disappointing because I'm with you, man. Zach Moss was a guy that uh, before all the testing, when they were doing some of the uh, media interviews and um, you know, just really, really like that kid a lot, man. And was really hoping that he would test out a little bit better. So um, disappointing to see that happen, but we all know that the combine is not the end of the world. So he could still be a great fit for somebody. I mean, we all know how dependent scheme is. So, you know, as long as he gets in the right fit, I mean, he could definitely still blossom into a successful NFL running back. Well, well, I'll kind of compare him to Devin Singletary, who we both know I'm high on. You know, if Devin Singletary ended up in not in Buffalo, not right behind Frank Gore, who knows with Singletary, what if Singletary ended up on, you know, the, the Vikings and, you know, was behind um, Alexander Madison and Dalvin cook, you know, and just got one shot. uh, And then that was it. You know, Devin Singletary obviously had a lot of time and in the great system downhill style of runner that Zach Moss is like if Zach Moss ended up in Buffalo and you replace uh, Singletary with Moss. Yeah. I like Zach Moss's situation a lot. Right. But how we, you know he's a downhill runner kind of like um singletary but without the pass catching ability i think that he can he certainly can do that um i can kind of compare him to royce freeman in that way 
right? Where he can be like the goal line back. He's a downhill runner and he's a bigger, you know, kind of guy, you know, stocky as well around five, nine, five, ten, but can also catch the ball. Zach Moss isn't quite there. I think that he has that capability and in the right system. Yeah, he can be good, but I think that he's going to take a dip in the draft and he could end up in that fourth, fourth ish round. Yeah. I mean, he started off the whole process, you know, undervalued. Right. And I mean, he really didn't do anything, you know, to boost his value. So I think he's still flying under the radar and, you know, he's could definitely be like one of these, you know, late round running backs that just ends up having a great career. You know, I mean, we've seen it you know, as far back as, uh, you know, like Terrell Davis. Um, right. You know, it's, it's definitely the potential. I just saw the, I just saw the, player profiler the crying jordan for zach moss hilarious oh man it's it's bad it's painful right now you know especially you know all the people that are riding zach moss before the combine that have to kind of eat that you know take it like okay all right but it's not the end all be all at all it's not it you know for for zach moss there is still um it's all about the situation at the end of the day uh, you would like to see that sort of that burst score improve, that 40 improve. But, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, someone who boosted their, uh, their stature going into the NFL draft is Denzel Mims out of Baylor. Um, and I'm really excited about Denzel Mims because he fits that prototypical wide receiver one and he can fly. He can outright fly. Um, you love to see that. And if you watch any tape on Denzel Mims, you know that he can go up and get that 50-50 ball. Um, he can run the slant route. I think that at the NFL level, the way the rules are, you don't have to worry about him being not physical, which, you know, he is. He's not like the most physical. I think, you know, if you want to talk about a physical receiver, Anquan Bolden, uh, Des Bryant. I don't think he's that guy, but I also think that his body at 6'3", 207, with you know the the catch radius that he has, with the burst that he has, all of those combined can make Denzel Mims a very productive wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's there's a few guys that uh, that really impressed me, and he was definitely one of them. Um, you know, both him. And Justin Jefferson uh, that you noted, uh, their stock's definitely pointing way up. So nice to see that those guys showed out. You know, those were those were guys that I was very interested to kind of see how they would test out at the Combine. And they definitely didn't disappoint. Um, I don't know how you feel about Jalen Rieger, but I was definitely not as high as the field on him. And uh, I feel like he's kind of fallen back uh, a little bit since the combine now, and his, his stock's definitely down after that subpar combine performance, and and again the forty. Um, but that's you know that I don't know how you feel about him, but the, but definitely Mims arrow pointing up uh, Jefferson ever since his you know performance in the college football playoff, um, he just it continues to soar up you know dynasty draft boards and. Um, you know, Rieger definitely took a hit this weekend from those are kind of like my main notes at the receiver position. Oh, I, I think if, if Rieger has taken a hit, then he's certainly um, someone to note as getting fantastic value on because I, I do, I do like Jalen Rieger a good bit based on his tape, based on his measurables. He's also, he, he's built like, like we see Debo Samuel, like we see these guys that are kind of stockier guys that have great burst and can kind of play like a running back, kind of like Golden Tate. Um, you know, he's kind of that guy for me. Yeah, and, and Riga returned punts and, and whatnot too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, you know, those guys. You know, that that comparison to Debo is is fantastic because uh, that's kind of where Debo was at this time last year. Was um, you know not the not the quickest guy, but I mean, we saw what he ended up doing and um, definitely some comparison there. I can, I can understand the similarities. So what are we seeing, Josh? I mean, we talked about it last week with Hollywood Brown. I mean, we're seeing these guys have success that are maybe undersized, not the traditional wide receiver one, 
but man, can they fly. And when they have the ball, especially with rules in place like the NFL, it's a passing league. You know, you're not, you don't have to be the most physical receiver. If you have speed and you can, you can make a lot of plays underneath, they have to respect that. And then all of a sudden you're beat. Um, I think Henry Ruggs has that kind of ability and I'm excited for him. If he ends up in a great situation, you're happy for fantasy. When I, when I look at rugs, um, you know, at least with Rieger, like for example, like his comparison on player profilers, like Christian Kirk. Um, so a great current example. And, you know, I can, I, I get that because I have him, I personally feel like the ceiling is higher uh, on Rieger than rugs. And then I, I also like Mims, um, you know, going in and like his, his comparison is, uh, you know, Chris Godwin and, my, you know, my God, you know, everybody was high on Godwin last year, including myself. And it seemed like no matter what draft I was in, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get him in any of my dynasty leagues, uh, get me any Godwin and Mims could definitely be, you know, a Chris Godwin clone. I think that's a, a pretty solid comparison. With a lot of these guys, you know, we see that speed kind of makes the difference in kind of their their relative value going in. And, you know, real quick, I won't talk uh, too much on the tight end position, but, I mean, we saw um, – I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, but <laughs> Albert O there from Mizzou, um, you know, his stock's pointing way up. He was uh, definitely the talk of the tight end position with uh, with his speed. You know, him and him – he was running similar times to Rieger, who we were just talking about. Right. And, so, you know, his stock is way up. You know, this class isn't that great. But, you know, Jared Pinkney, who I think a lot of people kind of had labeled as, um, you know, the best number one. I mean, you know, he came out and just looked so slow, uh, you know, and his stock took a hit. So, I mean, the exact opposite. So you kind of see those values fluctuate based on speed. And Going back to Albert Oakwegbunum. Oakwegbunum. Well, I went for it, guys. And please uh, do not, uh, you know, hate on me if I did not get that right. Oakwake Boonham. Uh, look, if this guy who ran a 4.49.40 um, at the Combine, who is obviously uh, a gifted athlete at 6'6", 258, you know, let's say the Patriots, they just signed Tom Brady, you know, to a huge final year, and they draft this guy, I would love that story. You know, just getting Tom Brady a weapon like that, again, at the tight end position, Gronk number two. I mean, let's go. Right. Like, come on. I, I'm, in for, I'm in for that. Oh, yeah. Major potential there, man, for sure. Anybody else that really, like, you're excited about, I mean, from from the combine or just in general from this class at any position? Well, you know, not, from a fantasy, there were a lot of guys that impressed me, you know, offensive line and, you know, defensive guys that unless you're in an IDP, you really don't make a lot of sense for us to talk about on our show. But um, one thing I will say just as a blanket statement is I think that a lot of people are sleeping on some of these running backs, man. Um, you know, I, I get that ETN and, you know, a couple guys, you know, stayed back and, you know, returning for their senior seasons and, you know, I, I don't think that watered down the class to the level that you know, right. people think it did. Um, you know, we have something to look forward to next year, obviously, with those guys. But it's, you know, this this running back class is, I mean, if you're sitting at the back end of your dynasty league, you know, and you have like a later first round pick, you know, if, if you're a team that doesn't necessarily, like if you're set at receiver and you, you know, really don't need uh, you know, to add another rookie receiver. I mean, some of these, some of these young running backs are, are going to be waiting there for you at the end of the first round. And I mean, I think you're going to get some really good value there. I love it, man. Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. I think that a lot of these, you know, Etienne obviously not coming out uh, to uh, be drafted into the NFL. I mean, it, it took the wind out of the sails uh, for how, you know, this, running back class was shaping up but there's definitely value to be had um you know i think that going into last season when we were looking at the class uh we weren't that excited about it i mean it was you know it, it was miles sanders uh david montgomery um you know we were looking at players like that and it was really all situation dependent you know it didn't feel like there was a clear number one where at least this year I think that, you know, there are, you know, Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers, 
those two guys, you know, are pretty good running backs. Jonathan Taylor at this point, you know, we don't want to paint the picture with any broad strokes here, but Jonathan Taylor, you know, I think can be that Ezekiel Elliott type guy if he gets into, you know, let's say that like the Colts, for instance, you know, they have this great offensive line they're building. Um, you know, what if they could land somebody like Jonathan Taylor without Marlon Mack being in the picture, you know, in a, in a dream scenario, um, trying to think of other teams that are building up right now where he could just be plugged in. And, you know, just like Josh Jacobs was last year, where we thought maybe David Montgomery was going to have that, you know, sort of role. But we saw Josh Jacobs get put into the perfect scenario and have such a good, you know, season for a fantasy perspective. I think the Jonathan Taylor can be that kind of guy. And I think we could be excited about him, you know. So he's definitely the guy who I'm looking at, like, okay, where is he going to go? And then it's all up, you know, to the fantasy gods from there. We're right. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, the landing spot's going to dictate a lot of these guys. So pretty excited to kind of see, you know, we're not that far away now. Combine is in the rearview mirror and it's full steam ahead towards draft season. Do follow me on Twitter uh, at FFProfessorST3. Josh, where can they find you on Twitter, my friend? Yeah, I'm going to be at JoshDally72. That's D-A-L-L-E-Y. My guy. And, of course, we're going to come at you next week. Uh, Josh, you know, I was thinking, you know, we, we haven't had a guest. Just yet, it's been me and you rocking the show. Um, traditionally, the hot take is, is, is a trio with, with a guest on the other end. I think we're going to have our first guest next week. Should be a good one. I have a couple people in mind have started that conversation. So we're going to get into the running backs uh, for free agents. Uh, I think it's going to be a hell of a show. Uh, we'll lead off talking a little bit more in-depth about Austin Eckler and talk about some of these free agents, also some trade potential. Uh, we have to mention the D- David Johnson and uh, Melvin Gordon scenarios because it's likely that two very relevant running backs, uh, first-round picks of yesteryear, are, uh, are going to be on the move. So it's exciting times. Um, I love this time of year when it comes to fantasy football. This is the time we gear up for the season. A lot of things happening at this time of year. And this is really where, you know, Guys like me and Josh, we, uh, we we thrive in this time of year for fantasy football because this is where this is where it starts, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And who knows? We might have some more uh, juicy, you know, trade or contract extension news breaking that we get to talk about next week. That's right. Yeah. On behalf of Josh Daly, my name is Stephen Taroni. Thanks for listening to the Hot Take Podcast. We will see you next week. <laughs>